is on those who fear him. Welcome back to Hackberry House, a podcast devoted to the Word of God and the persecuted church of North Korea. My name is Bob. This is podcast number 333, and it is tomorrow, Sunday, uh, November 29, 2015, actually being recorded on November 28. Today, more hopefully helpful thoughts about the situation in North Korea, where names and leaders change, but the, well, that situation remains about the same. This is from Hackberry House, Volume 1, Two Years with North Korea, that I wrote a few years back. In a late 1997 Korean publication, you'll find the following bit of information. Now the blanks, I'm going to say blank, and you can, we'll fill in that blank later. I want to see if you can figure this out there. Okay. The world people say that blank Korea is the worst backward country in politics at the end of the 20th century. Above all, this is illustrated by the fact that blank Korea is the last colony when the 20th century is coming to an end. Its political backwardness finds its expression in one man and one party dictatorships and clan government. Its political backwardness also finds its expression in fascist, murderous, and repressive politics. In blank Korea, barbaric tortures and murder, the worst human rights violations of medieval type, are institutionally inspired and tolerated by law. The bloodshed of last year are anti-people crimes without an equal in the world, which concentrically reveal the anti-people, fascist, and barbaric nature of the blank Korean ruling system. It's only too natural that the world's people brand blank Korea as a politically underdeveloped country without an equal in the world a political infant, and a society below third class. It's the historical truth that the government based on absolute power and corrupt politics will never last long, and its ruin is inevitable. End of quote from the article. Now think carefully before you answer this question. Should we fill in all the blanks with the word north? or the word South. While you are thinking, remember that there are persons in the world who manufacture their own truths. Truth is what they say it is. The people under them simply just have to believe it. (laughs) Uh, I've given you plenty of time now. What do you say? You got it. The word is South. What? Yes, this mad raving that I just read that that perfectly describes North Korea, we know it does, was actually copied from a North Korean propaganda publication called Rodong Sinman and is meant to describe Kim Jong-il's neighbors to the south. Can you imagine that? Until we can imagine that, there's no way we'll ever understand what's happened to the precious enslaved people of the northern portion 
of the Korean Peninsula. Let's keep praying. God is able. Amen. Blessed is the nation whose God is Jehovah. That's Psalm 33, 12. That's not just poetry. It's revelation from heaven. Is there a nation on earth totally sold out to God? If it's not prospering now, it surely will soon. America truly holds the records for churches, missions, and most other Christian categories. God has spared her from the worst of judgments so far and prospered her beyond her means to contain it. Now, there are seeds of self-destruction here, abortion, homosexuality, sexual perversion, and worst of all, a weakening church. But so far, God has stayed his hand. By contrast, North Korea has been forced into the worship of a man. What can be said about a nation whose God is anyone but Jehovah? Righteousness exalts a nation. Proverbs 14.34. The opposite is true, too. Genesis 20 tells the story of a righteous, that is, morally good man and nation, that had fallen into disfavor with God because of its unsuspecting mistreatment of Abraham. Yeah, Abimelech. Abimelech and Gerar were ignorant of what they were doing, and because of that, God spared and continued to bless that nation when Abimelech cried out, Will you slay a righteous nation? No. No curse. Until later, in Second Chronicles, the area around Gerar attacked the nation of Judah under King Asa, a righteous man. To attack the righteous knowingly is to incur the wrath of God, and later Gerar was decimated. Now, North Korea needs to understand that if it attacks God's people knowingly, only problems are going to ensue. Sin is a reproach to any people, God says, Proverbs 14.34. On the other hand, a former Pyongyang prospered as the gospel was allowed throughout the land. Nations rise and fall under the clear direction of God. He is long-suffering patient, but judgment always comes when men and their domains turn their backs on him. We need to ask God to raise up righteousness in North Korea. One thing for sure, any nation exalting itself above the excellency of Jesus Christ needs to take these words to heart. The kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. Handel didn't make that up. It's from the book of Revelation, chapter 11, verse 15. Someday righteousness will be exalted all over this globe. I'm looking forward with great joy to that day. Another article. There's a lot of psalms that I would like to read to a North Korean. The book of Psalms was written largely under duress by suffering saints who trusted God for their deliverance. Take number 37, for example, by King David. Don't worry about evildoers. They'll soon be cut down like the grass. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord shall inherit the earth. Verse 25 may give some people pause, 
I admit uh, I struggled a while with it, knowing what I do about the situation in North Korea. It says, I have been young and now am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his descendants begging bread. Now, we talked about this recently on another podcast. Have the righteous been forsaken in North Korea? Well, no, not at all. We who know God know that in our worst moments, he is there with encouragement, refreshment, hope, material aid as needed. We believe that such is the case with saints in this prison land. We see with the eyes of Elisha, who refused to use mortal sight and could envision the hosts of angels surrounding him, giving him the majority in every battle. With God's Spirit, God's angels, and the provision of God's people coming in from all over the planet as the need of North Korea is presented to the body of Christ, how can these saints be considered forsaken? We're not intimidated by a one-million-man North Korean army. The very gates of hell cannot prevail against the church of Jesus Christ, wherever it is. We fear not those who kill the body but cannot touch the soul. Oppressors, without knowing it, are creating martyrs and heroes whose glory will shine forever. They're sending people out into eternity where they cannot touch them ever again, but where they will be embraced by the Father himself. They're rousing the worldwide church into action. In other words, they do the very opposite of what they want to do. They're building the church, not destroying it. How marvelous are God's ways. He can take a hardened Pharaoh and get glory from him. A Christian killing Saul of Tarsus is putty in his hands. We know not how the North Korean saga will end, but we know that God's glory will be gotten one way or another. Psalm 37 again, The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble, and the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. Next article, reading through the prophets recently. I was struck with the plaintive wailing of Jeremiah for his people and the strange similarity to weeping going on around the world for North Korea. Israel had sinned and was being punished. Whether God's people in Korea have sinned or are being persecuted or both, for sure they are in similar pain, and they cry out to us to weep with them and with the one who has always wept for his hurting people. Let us let's join in. I would comfort myself in sorrow, Jeremiah says, but my heart is faint in me. Listen, the voice, the cry of the daughter of my people from a far country. They're saying the harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. For the hurt of the daughter of my people, I am hurt. I am mourning. Astonishment has taken hold of me. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is there no recovery for the health of the daughter of my people? O Lord, Behold my affliction, for the enemy has magnified himself. The adversary has spread his hand over all her pleasant things. 
All her people sigh. They seek bread. They have given their valuables for food to restore life. See, O Lord, and consider. Is it nothing to you, all you who pass by? Behold and see if there is any sorrow like my sorrow, which has been brought on me, which the Lord has inflicted on me. For these things I weep. My eye, my eye overflows with water because the Comforter who should restore my life is far from me. My children are desolate because the enemy prevailed. But there is good news too. Hope in the midst of the despair. Lamentations 3, 22 to 26. Though and through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Well, we wait, Lord. Show show us if there's something we can do while we're waiting. Purge our hearts, make us all willing on this side or that side of the world to serve you with our whole body, mind, soul, and strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Next Sunday when we talk about North Korea, we'll talk about a guy that waited 40 years for communion. A person that was beaten to death for bringing in a Bible person executed right in front of a family member. Much to pray about. Tomorrow, we're going to talk a while about the Asbury Revival. Some of you know what that means, some of you don't. It's a fascinating look at fairly recent church history. While I'm still preparing that uh, study on the five points of Arminianism, and Calvinism. Did you know that there were five points of Arminianism first and that the five points of Calvinism were a response to those five points? Well, now you know that and we'll go over it in detail one of these days. But first, I've got to prepare it for you. Bless you today. Don't forget where we began in Psalm 33, 18. The eye of the Lord is on those 